Welcome to the Prodigal and the Priest podcast, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. Here are your hosts, Joey Scansella and Father Paul Bechter. Well, happy hmm. week before Thanksgiving. <clears throat> you all right? Clearing the <laughs> yeah, throat? Yeah, good. No, I'm great. Just uh, settling in. Settling for some, in. For some pod. Why, uh, have you, uh, rescinded your, uh, decision to drink a lot of water? No. Despite a lot of heckling from a lot of people. Um. Yeah. And some pretty funny, uh, comments actually. Um, someone shout out, uh, to my uncle Joe <laughs> sent me a really funny, I, sh- I haven't shared it with you yet. Sent you me should. a really funny, like medical video. Hey, uncle Joe, how's it going? Hey. Listener, <laughs> um, fan of the show. Yeah. Anyway, about pseudo hyponatremia. I think I remember all those words, right? I don't know what it means, but it has to do with drinking a lot of water because your kidneys aren't working properly. Or something like that. I'm so not that's sure what, what you have. Part. He's saying you you might need to be diagnosed with that, <laughs> or that I just don't trust my kidneys and I'm gonna break them. Um, I feel great. I feel really great drinking all the water I'm drinking. The only reason I didn't bring the br- big like bro gallon jug, uh, bro it, gallon jug. That's what we're calling it now. Yeah, people call it a a thing that gym bros do. <laughs> As I'm carrying it around, walking to my cassock at UD, they're like, whoa, what's that? I want to join the priesthood. People people asking me if I'm on creatine. No. (laughs) Yeah, someone did. And I was like, what does this have to do with creatine? And then he explained it to me. What does it have to do? You have to drink a ton of water with it? Yeah, he said something about like it soaks up water and builds muscle mass. But you need to like drink a ton of water if you're going to. Like take creatine? Take creatine. Which I guess is some kind of enzyme connected. I know, like baseball players, different, all different athletes. Yeah, I don't think it's like a crazy thing to take. I think you have to be intentional. We're not endorsing (laughs) (laughs) listeners, (laughs) anyone especially under the age of eighteen. Like, please don't decide to, uh, you know, go take creatine. But if there's like a creatine company out there listening that wants to sponsor us, we're pretty desperate. (laughs) Like anyone at this point. Um, for as sp- far as sponsors go. for sponsorships, <laughs> I'll put your sticker on my gym, bro. We'll uh, walk Joe. around all of that. It'll it'll be great. So it'll anyway, be great. Point is, still crushing the water, feeling but great about it. Actually, the point was you were starting to say why you weren't carrying <laughs> that around. Yeah, today's the first day I haven't brought it with me because I am going traveling, and uh, you didn't want to be heckled in public. I can't bring. It's too big to bring on a plane. Why? Just, just it's gonna be empty. It you be can't my, bring it full. It would be my whole carry on. Also, what if you forgot to <laughs> to empty it and then well, they, they made you drink the whole thing in the? Or, line, I, in the I'm line. pretty sure they would just confiscate it. No, like, <laughs> okay, you gotta chug it. Um, and then you can sue TSA because you like go into immediate like too much too much water all at once or whatever. Yeah, that's right. About. Like they forced me into pseudo hyponatremia or I I need to look up what that actually means. I don't think I'm using it right. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying to drink half of my body weight in ounces of water a day. Uh, half of your body weight in ounces of water. Got that's it. That's a goal, and it take I've, your body I've weight divide by two. Drink that in ounces. Exactly. Boom. 
That's a, a general like. That's a general recommendation. I think you didn't so? invent that. <laughs> no, no, this isn't my own formula. <laughs> First, I take some creatine. I take two scoops a day, just dry creatine powder. Just crunch it. <laughs> I don't think it's crunchy. I think it's uh, maybe it comes in a crunch or a bar for it. Crystallized. Get Father Edwin in here. He seems like somebody who takes creatine. Get him in here. Let's get some questions answered about creatine. In my mind, it's it's like old creatine powder, so it's crystallized and crunchy. Yeah, I don't know if that's. I don't. I don't know why. This is there. You go. So where are you traveling to? I'm going to Denver. Denver. Yeah, going to Denver for, for the Society of Biblical Literature Conference. This Ooh. is my ongoing formation for the year. So it's not vocation director connected. It's not a retreat. It's not exactly a vacation. Uh, <laughs> although I will have friends there. Although. Because <laughs> it does function as kind of like a biblical reunion. I'll be drinking um, a lot of creatine, <laughs> relaxing on the slopes. This creatine making. Wait, don't you ski? Don't you ski? I do ski, but there's no time for this. There's no. just too it, much. Too much. No vacation. No vacation, everyone. Too much. N- n- no time. No, it, it's like a conference center thing. I don't. Honestly, I don't know why it's in Denver because there's going to be snow. It's going to be freezing cold. The low is like 19, and mm. the high is like. High thirties, but that's where you sit with like a nice glass of scotch or bourbon or something inside by the campfire. You know yeah, what I mean? The no fireplace. Isn't there a fireplace? Probably at the. Are you staying at a hotel cabin? Where <laughs> retreat center? Cabin. I'm staying at a Seminary? convention center hotel. Okay, like well, it's thousands of people go to this conference. Yeah, but that's like that would be like saying I'm staying at the Gaylord Texan, right? Like that's a conference convention center. Uh, it's not going to be that nice. I don't think. I, I heard it was. I heard your, <laughs> you have, you your vacation heard, you heard is... Uh, <laughs> anybody I know from my old stomping ground, Steubenville, going to be there? Mm, you know, there's Does a funny... Does Dr. Briggsma go? John Briggsma? Briggsma. Uh, he, he might. So so it's an interesting kind of thing. There's different groups. Like, like seriously, there are thousands of people, but it's not like a, a thousand people sitting in a room listening to one talk there's like hundreds of lectures and that's why they use the whole convention center Mm -hmm. um so there's never like one keynote for everybody there are more famous people that tend to get bigger rooms and draw more people but it's also a place where like grad students present their papers um for publication and just Mm. like there's so many topics and so part of it is trying to speaking or going no i have i've Presented at the international version of this once uh, in Rome. And that's actually a published paper now in an academic journal. I just, uh, COVID delayed it, but I got it a couple months ago. Just a soft little flex to start the podcast. Just international uh, German journal. Yeah, Hebrew Hebrew Bible in Ancient Israel at a Tubigan. There Um, there you go. that. (laughs) Riveting. Um, Yeah. So anyway, um, there always is like a like a small Catholic group, but it's not primarily a Catholic oh, thing. It's okay, a, okay, it's a okay, okay. Bible thing. And Bible thing. There's, there's a lot more to so talk you ever, about. You ever that. get in like the, hey, your Bible looks a little skinnier than my Bible. <laughs> you missing anything? You're not like comparing Bible. You're comparing Bibles. Okay. Everyone just carrying around their Bible. and 
kind of given side You know what, though? People. I bet at one of these conferences, most people don't carry their Bible. No. Exactly. Isn't that crazy? You're going to like a you biblical... You got it on your phone. Uh, and, no, oh, no. my gosh. You're studying like You're worse passage. than the teenagers. You need too many languages. Like, it's all Hebrew and Greek and Syriac and like that kind of stuff. And so you can't carry around all those Bibles. If you had the RSV, the Catholic edition, and then you're like, what, what? do you got, the NIV over there? Okay. Like, people are like, is that the newest, latest... Uh, Model comparing cars, <laughs> yeah, that's right. The tw- all new 2023 <laughs> NIV. <laughs> oh man, look at that cover! <laughs> so, so nice. <laughs> okay, and we've let just me, lost most of our viewers. Let me give you my and top by three viewers. I mean, listeners, top three reasons that I choose this for ongoing formation and not something more Catholic. One, it's a biblical reunion. I was, I was never worried. Go ahead. Yeah. One, it's a biblical reunion. So, like people from Rome, I've got a buddy from Oxford who I studied with in Rome, but he's doing his doctorate in Oxford now. He's presenting tomorrow morning. Like, I'm going to, there's a chance to meet up with a lot of old friends from my studies. Uh, That's number one reason. Second is the book fair is incredible. It's like, it's like a huge barn, like a huge conference, like the big conference room in a convention center. Yeah. Is their book fair and has great deals? Book it's incredible. Biblical. They're all organized by color. <laughs> that would be great. No, by publisher, but it's super fun. You can spend like a whole day just walking around in there. Thirdly, especially since most people don't bring their Bible, so they have to buy one <laughs> yeah, from in there. Right. They're like, uh, they're, do you have the? Yeah, they're counting on hey, like. Do you have the new twenty twenty three edition? Go ahead. Uh, and the last reason, I think I already gave three, but the fourth reason, the bonus reason, is that it always rekindles my mm. desire to like continue the intellectual life and academic study. And it's really easy f- to lose that as a priest in active ministry, anyone in active ministry, yeah, anyone even like in active family life. Like <laughs> whenever you have lots of urgent needs to take care of, yeah. Um, it's hard to find time to read. You're talking like four kids who get sick often. You're catching like <laughs> just the hypothet- flu viruses hypothetically speaking. throw up in a bowls and <laughs> like, just being like, how do I have time to study? Live uh, live in Capel somewhere. I can yeah. I can, I can picture it. Um, it's I mean you might find time to like read a novel a little bit. That's pretty easy to read, but time to actually study something. Mm-hmm. That's that's real hard. I found it really hard uh, as a, a priest in a parish or as vocation director. And let's be honest, and I'm not I'm not kidding right now, but you probably have more than the average person even has of free time. Possibly. Oh yeah. You know, you know no, what I've, I mean. Like, and more, you find it hard. I've got more flexibility in my working hours. Like they they sort of never stop in a way, but right. they also like I don't have to be anywhere from. From eight to five, right, right and right. fight traffic to get there. Like every day changes for me, right? Right, there's sort right, of a general right. stability. So I do have flexibility, but like the hierarchy of needs, just there's always things that are more important, right, and more urgent than my personal study, even though I consider that to be very important. So this is always very life giving to go to these things. Uh, it's it's really hit or miss, like how good the talks are, because you're you're trying to choose one that like. Sounds like it'll be good, but also with somebody that you like, kind of know who they are. 
So it's not just a grad student who's like reading the paper and that's really boring. Oh man. Sometimes the topic is too technical and they just give it a flashy name. Other times like it's <laughs> the guys maybe, you know, maybe going off going off a little bit on his own like thing. Just and, tangents. And just just like not good research necessarily. Mm. So it's really hit or miss with so many options. But I I find even if I'm not getting like great content from a specific lecture, it makes me want to study. And now, so it's worth it. Now going to a non-Catholic thing, do you worry a lot about, since some of those guys are so smart and intellectual that they would, that you would hear something that you wouldn't be able to decipher and be like, Oh, that's actually contradicting our faith or no. You're like, no, no like, I mean, that, like you're not going to go on and talk on like what they really meant by John six by a non, like, y- you know what I mean? Like uh, you get all sorts of stuff with this, but I've, I've swum in those waters for a long time. Like the Biblicum is a, is a pontifical Catholic Institute. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also at that level of like sort of higher academic learning where like there just aren't that many other groups that do it. Like you can't just keep to Catholics. Yep. Um, and so a big part of the experience there was learning like how to take good research that people are doing without all of their conclusions that might not be aligned with our faith. Yeah. Um, coming out very different principles for what, uh, the moral life should look like for who God is. Uh, there are atheists. There are plenty of atheist biblical scholars and that always sounds crazy to me. Right. Um, and from a like theological perspective, you would say, well, if you don't believe that it's divine revelation, then you can't properly interpret it. And that is true. Um, but it's also true that like you could learn Hebrew really well and like do good research on that level. Right. Um, so you're, you're really, yeah, it's, it's a it's, it's kind of a wild ride. I always I always wear clerics when I'm there. Um, nice, that, that's kind or, of fun too. Uh, no, this isn't a cassock place for me. <laughs> that's a little too much. Just back off the cassock. That's, that's a little too like, much. Uh, but my main complaint this year is that it's in Denver, and Denver's really cool if you're going skiing or hiking or something. But like, you guys don't. Have why time. are we going to a freezing cold place to stay inside the whole time in a convention center to sit by the fire and listen to a paper on the Bible? I also last, want last give year, me a little like spicy uh, title that they're trying to like amp oh, up that isn't there's, like. There's a lot of like uh, you you use that example right. You said like, oh, they try to like make it sound cooler than it is, right? Like, give me something like, <laughs> right? Didn't you just say that? Well, didn't I give a talk here recently where I tried to spice up the title and it worked and I drew like everyone away from all the other sessions, including yours? Oh, you're talking about the men's Yeah, conference. the men's conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave, what, I think what the MC really sold your talk. That's what it oh, was. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know I something really about a donkey talks. and a... What were you? Spiritual like warfare and and that old donkey in quotes. I, but I don't. They didn't put on the paper. I don't think the first part. Spiritual warfare. I think it they was just, just that donkey old donkey. <laughs> That's funny. Like something um, like that, they would say. Uh, I think some of them could. Nice. Um, but my point is, last year was in San Antonio. That was awesome. I was near cousins. Um, <laughs> it was in Texas. I drove there. The year before okay. it was in San Diego, so it was like perfect weather. Mm. If you're gonna go, like just stay in San Diego. If 
It's pretty expensive, though. <laughs> so is Denver. <laughs> so is Denver. That's true. Well, hopefully you get some time around a fireplace and get to listen to some good biblical talk. So, <laughs> All right. We're wrapping up our sacrament series. We have two to go. Oh, yeah. We have other topics. We have other topics 15 minutes into the podcast. Everybody's loving it because either one of two things, you're prepping for your week off of Thanksgiving or just getting ready for Thanksgiving week, or maybe even you're catching up after Thanksgiving. You're driving somewhere, your belly is full, and you're listening to your favorite podcast, The Prodigal and the Priest. Either way, we're going to talk about our last two sacraments. So we've talked about so far baptism, confirmation, um, Eucharist and confession and anointing of the sick. We have two to go. We have holy orders and matrimony. Which do you want to do today? I think I want to do matrimony. I think I want to do holy orders. All right, let's do holy orders. All right, oh, let's yeah. go to holy orders. So, Holy orders, you become ordained as Why'd a... Why'd you even ask? Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you know. just want to see what you want to say. So uh, we're going to talk about the sacrament of holy orders. You kind of get a three for one with this one, right? You know, because you have the sacrament of holy orders, but within the sacrament of holy orders, you could technically receive... Could you receive it three specific times or no? Because you have holy orders as a deacon, mm-hmm. as a priest, mm-hmm. and a bishop. Mm-hmm. So you could receive it three times. Yeah. Three separate indelible marks. Is that correct or no? Uh, I don't know. The indelible mark thing is kind of... Well, you don't believe in indelible funny. marks anymore? So a lot of this stuff is, is a little hazy, and I don't want to misspeak. <laughs> but I don't think you get an indelible mark as a deacon... And permanent or uh, transitional? I, it's the same thing from the perspective of the sacrament. I, I don't think that's... I think you do. That's an indelible mark. Yeah, you do. I think it's just priehood. And like, I'm going to... We're going to we're gonna check this. Father Emmett, can be, you check this? Yeah, and he, he probably knows because he's... Isn't he in charge of deacon formation? Yeah, he is. Yeah, so he'll, he'll, he'll be able to like write in and be like, yeah, Father Paul speaking on heresy here. You don't get an indelible mark for becoming a deacon? Receiving so. the sacrament of holy orders? You're a deacon forever. Yeah, I don't know. In the line of Stephen or something. <laughs> <laughs> line of Lawrence. <laughs> Line um, of Melchizedek. Um, line of Melchizedek. You know that? That was mm, a Nack Anaphon. No. Um, I don't know. No, I, I think that the the like character that you receive in holy orders, um, the the indelible mark, the, the change, like you receive a baptism, is um, I think you receive that just at priesthood. Mm. And like you don't get it again as a bishop. Like they, they used to call... Episcopal ordination, Episcopal consecration to recognize that like it's sort of this fullness of the priesthood, but it's not like a different thing. We're going to have to, we're going to check this. We're going to yes. fact check you. Okay. So um, wh- what specifically should we break down for the people? What's helpful to know? Um, because we could take this a lot of different ways, right? Um, there's a lot of different nuances with each one. Um, but Let's let's go to the main one that people are going to witness in their life, and that is the ordination of a priest. 
Okay, so um, ordination of a priest, obviously there's preparation first. Um, way before ordination comes, the priest is being prepped. Just out of, for our, our listeners' kind of context, how many years are most guys in seminary? What's minimum and kind of maximum you're seeing nowadays yeah. as vocations director? Seven to nine years. Seven to nine years. So even if they've gone to undergrad for philosophy, theology, all of that, it really only takes off a few years because yeah. of the formation side within seminary, right? You want to make yeah. sure they're a solid candidate before we ordain them, right? It's, it's not just about academic credits that you accumulate. Uh, that, I mean, that is part of it. Right. And so coming in with, with like a doctorate in theology or something would, would change the way your formation looks. You, you, wouldn't make any sense to like to take some of the theology classes so you would have to do something else but like the time spent in formation is is not just about that it's actually that's that's a pretty pretty small part of it mm-hmm. um the reason you're in formation so long is twofold one it gives you time to really make a good discernment mm. like to get to know yourself to grow to grow right. in in interior freedom and to be able to say yes as fully as you possibly can in full freedom when um, your ordination day rolls around so that you're not like, oh, I, I didn't really know what I wanted, but I just kind of went along with the flow. And once I got in seminary, it just didn't stop the conveyor belt or something like, like that's that's not good. Right. Um, and so the the length of time is is part of that. You you want to be you want to be sure. Otherwise, you really shouldn't be ordained. Um, right. Secondly, the formative effect that communal life has on you. Uh, that's the other the other reason. Because diocesan priests, we don't live in community. I, I can live with some other priests, but um, but we don't have like a communal rule of life. Um, we're all kind of like there to serve the parish or there on our specific mission and we need to have friendship and, and some sort of community life at home, but it's Mm -hmm. not, that's not like our reason for being right. Um, and so, but like to, to be formed, to be a man who, who knows how to live in community and Mm -hmm. how to tend to a community and how, and even like has a desire for community, even if like just the reality of the situation is that we don't really live in community. Like that's, that's a big part of, of seminary life. Like you do everything together in community. Like you, you pray together every day, several times you go to mass, you have all your meals together. You do all this formation stuff, like right. activities, celebrations, like processions, morning, like everything. Uh, and so it's really seminary life is quasi monastic, um, depending on the seminary model, but it, even, even the most sort of like active and open seminary models are, are really a quasi monastic kind of life. Right. And I, I think intentionally, so they're overloaded with stuff to do. Like there's too much stuff to do. Uh, seminarians are always sort of like (laughs) <laughs> almost at this breaking point. Right. Um, and I, f- I think, I think it's really kind of like resistance training. Like you're trying to, to sort of like train to failure. 
um, like in, in physical fitness. Right. Um, and then you step back on a vacation or something like that, or for the summer you have a, a different thing and you sort of recover and then you come back and you're, you're able to like take on a stronger workload. Yeah. Like, like if that's, that's a really important part of that sort of community life is that there's, there's kind of too many obligations and you have mm-hmm. to learn how to deal with having too many things to do in one day. Um, and like how to still get through it and still pray and prioritize the right things. Cause that's, that's what parish priesthood looks like. Uh, but you right. don't have the support of community life mm-hmm. um, to fall back on. So I think it's actually a really good model uh, for training. And it's something that, that I guess I'll just say other people like get in family life. Like that's mm-hmm. what family life does. Mm-hmm. It's, it's resistance training for the parents. Right. Um, and um, as a, as a celibate a priest who doesn't live in a religious community like right. if you don't have something sort of like trying to to compensate for that like i think you you really run the risk of of becoming a a sort of mercenary um or someone who lives like more for themselves or sort of like a professional priest right rather than someone who is like at the disposal of the community. Right. Um, yeah. I think you have to get used to what that, that workload feels like. And to sort of like look forward to the challenge of being overloaded by people's needs mm. within a healthy yeah. range, not, not to breaking point, but um, otherwise you're going to, you're going to back off from that stress. And the, the reality is like priests can. Yeah. Um, back to your point about our, our schedules and, like, um, you can't back off from family life. <laughs> like, like you're in it, you have to figure it out. Right. Um, but as a, as a priest, like you can't. So anyway, that's, that's a long way of yeah. saying why seminary is so long, but like it needs to form you into that kind of person by the time you come out of seminary. Otherwise you're, you're really setting yourself up, I think for, for some struggles. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, let's jump into the actual, right. Um, I just grabbed one online from, I don't know, some church that had one. And so hopefully it's right. Is we'll it see Catholic? if it is. Let's see. <laughs> ordination, uh, ordination to the priesthood looks like a Catholic picture. Yeah, Cathedral of the Sacred Heart in Richmond, Virginia. There you go. All so, right, we'll try it. Right. Okay. We'll see. Okay, so it, starts, it seems like it starts a normal mass. We have a processional hymn. We have the greeting, the penitential rite. Obviously, the bishop is there as the main celebrant and the person for ordination correct it cannot yeah. be done without a bishop yeah no you need a bishop okay need a bishop can't even can't give delegation to someone i can be delegated to do a lot of things including confirmations which properly belong to a bishop i cannot mm-hmm. be delegated to ordain somebody got it has to be a bishop so we have uh the gloria you know we have the uh, we have the readings now on the readings in ordination, always the same for priesthood. No, you get to choose. Get uh, there, there's so like a, all you guys get, came together and like, what do we want? You're not just choosing like <laughs> randomly. 
Flip open your Bible. Oh, wait, we never carry Bibles. Okay, somebody get a Bible. Go to the book fair and buy one. Get that right, new now 2023. All new. Um, yeah, no, there's there are... Get that word on fire, Bible. <laughs> I, I hear good things. I hear good things. I don't... I never really looked at it, but... Uh, Me neither. But hear good things. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, there's There's several different readings in the right that are um, possibilities, kind of like with a funeral. Uh, you can choose choose several different readings uh, mm-hmm. or a wedding. Um, yeah, so there's ones within the right that are, yeah. are, are recommended. Yeah. So you yeah. have the first reading, the psalm, the second reading, you have the gospel, the deacon um, usually processes, not usually, the deacon processes the gospel back over to the bishop, uh, where the people stand, remain standing until uh, the bishop usually blesses, correct, the crowd with the book of Gospels. Yeah, that's not just an ordination thing. But that's just, more of that's, the bishop yeah, thing. Just, but just a bishop thing that we all love. Um, and everyone gets confused at, so then <laughs> they've started having to like sing Alleluia again, so people will, will remain yeah, standing. The music helps. Yeah, the music helps. Okay. It's, it's not really a... <laughs> I don't know when that started. I think maybe it was like a the thing. Alleluia thing. No, like the blessing with the book of the Gospels thing. Oh. It's not in the right, um, and and not to like criticize a thing that seems like all right. If we're gonna, if there's gonna be development, that's not a bad development. Um, but <laughs> I, I wonder when that started. I think it might be like a JP two thing that huh. then bishops were like, hey, I want to do that too. I want to do that. Um, <laughs> Or maybe it is in some right somewhere and there's a history of it, but uh, I don't think it's like a, a thing that's, that's we'll in ask, the right. We'll ask Father Emmett. All right. So, <laughs> elect. We should then, just replace <laughs> me with <laughs> Just for I this never series. have conclusive answers. There you go. Okay. So, we go into the actual right now of ordination um, after uh, the homily. Uh, no, before the homily. Um, so... Election of candidates is first. So the candidates are called forward um, and presented to the bishop for uh, reception of ordination. So this is what it says in this script. We'll see if it's correct. But most reverend father, Holy Mother Church asks you to ordain these our brothers to the responsibility of the priesthood. And then the bishop inquires as to the worthiness of the candidate. Do you know them to be worthy after inquiry among the Christian people and upon the recommendation of those responsible, I testify that they have been found worthy. So how would they know that? Like, is that through their time in ordination? Was there like a public like wanted poster put out around saying they, like, these they, guys are going to be <laughs> ordained? That's a, that's a, diff- <laughs> that's a funny take on the seminarian poster actually. <laughs> um, it's a uh, okay. So two things wanted for um, Jesus. <laughs> so, uh, it's sort of like after reviewing their whole history of being in seminary, like all the, all the reports and the files and the evaluations that have been done, and there are a lot that happen uh, throughout the course of seminary. So it's it's after that. Um, it's also mm-hmm. like not just reviewing files, but like we've gotten to know him all this time. That's yeah. the whole point of it. Um, but they also do put out bans in like the newspapers and stuff. Like, uh, I don't know. You don't have to do that for marriage anymore. Right. But that used to be a thing. 
To be like, does anyone know if they're married or, yeah. you know, some, yeah. yeah any no, reason why no, they shouldn't no. be. I, I um, mean, if I had to, I didn't do it. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It didn't really seem like we'll a, see if it's, like see a if thing anymore. Valid, but I don't know. It used to be a thing, right? That's I, probably in like the 1950s. I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> I haven't heard that for a while. This, yeah. uh, but we still do it. Uh, you, I think canonically you have to do it. Um, okay. Uh, and like, yeah. Yeah. For we'll say Yeah. Um, but you, uh, yeah, that's a thing. Um, you put that out and then I've never like seen any, any response to that, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are people who respond to it and it just goes like above my head to, to somebody else, like to the bishops directly. Right. Um, yeah. So the, so that's what it means. Cool. Um, so then, after judging them worthy, he elects them for ordination. So the bishop, relying on the help of the Lord God, our Savior Jesus Christ, we choose these men, our brothers, for the order of priesthood. And I'll say, thanks be to God. Usually people start clapping, and then the homily is given. Um, they usually come up and are no longer, like, seated with their family, but then, like, sitting in separate chairs, yeah, right? Yeah, they'll sit apart. Um, and then after the homily... Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but the next part is the promise of the elect. And so this is where they're promising um, their uh, their ministry to the bishop, the specific bishop of the specific diocese. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, they're also, yeah, their ministry. Yeah, they, they make several promises. Uh, right. One is obedience, so that would be like really specifically to that bishop. The others are more... Sort of like generally, this is how wherever I am, I'm going to live as a priest. Um, yeah. But yeah, there is a connection with the people of the diocese. Yeah. I this. read here, then it says, then individually they elect, the elect go before the bishop and kneeling before him, place their joined hands in his mm-hmm. as a sign of fidelity, promising respect and obedience to him and his successors. Mm-hmm. Um, the fun note on that. So please. like, so, like, what we mean by their hands and his, like, that's with folded hands. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we call it folded, because really just your hands are, like, like together. open, put together, right thumb on top of the left, like, that sort of, like, here's the church. Specifically the right on top of the left? Yeah. Like, even if you're a lefty? Yeah. No, right on top of the left. I guess how it goes. We'll um, check that with But But, you know, it. sort of, like, here's the church, here's the steeple, like, that kind of... That we did not just do the rhyme that we tell children. <laughs> I, I okay. want to make peop- sure people are clear. Like, not not fingers folded. Like, fingers, op- everything is, is flat and open. Palms right. and fingers are placed together in yeah. a flat way. You know this isn't a video podcast. No very, one. Very, Everybody very is confused hard to describe. Right now. They just hear hands slapping together. On the no, it's, it's, it's important because the bishop takes his hands and puts them on the outside of your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Like I say that's important because sort of we we do the same gesture sometimes when we pray, especially liturgically. Like we're priests and servers are supposed to walk with their hands folded like this. Mm-hmm. Um but they're sort of like it's a sign of obedience also to God and we can't see his hands, but mm. like he's doing the same kind of thing. Got it. Um that's like, cool. Like I'm entrusting myself yeah. to him in the same wa- same way that you know, at ordination, I entrusted myself to the bishop and yeah. made this promise. Okay, anyway, so I love it. Yeah, the hands, the hands, <laughs> the hands. Bring back the YouTube. Um, 
Then we have litany of supplication. So, my dear people, let us pray that God, all-powerful Father, will pour out abundantly the gifts of heaven on these his servants, whom he has chosen for the office of priesthood. So the elect prostrate themselves in an act of humble prayer and surrender to God. Prostration is the ancient posture posture of supplication symbolic of dying to the old self and rising the cantor leads all present in the singing of the litany invoking the prayers of the saints on behalf of the elect i love this part i love yeah. where they're just like, it's one of the best i parts. mean it's like a solid though what five minutes right yeah i mean that you're laying well it's a lot of saints and there's a lot of stuff after the saints too right <laughs> that nobody knows like everybody's good with the everybody's know. good like Saint Gertrude, pray, pray for, for us. us. Like everyone's good for that, then but then like, when you're like, "Lord, deliver us," we pray <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from Ollie. <laughs> um, Be merciful to us, sinner. <laughs> Lord, we ask you hear our prayer. I just mix up two of them, but yeah, yeah they go like that. No, that was it. Be merciful to us, sinners. Yeah. Jesus, the Son of the Living God. Anyway, but <laughs> quick, quick one about you. Um, you were pretty jet lagged. And we've talked about <laughs> yeah. this before, like any, like any tiredness where you're like, this is a nice little rest. <laughs> so my jet, like I thought I was going to be at risk of like falling asleep while lying prostrate. Um, but I mean, was, you it was sort it, of like, <laughs> it was sort of like the opposite kind of jet lag because my, my internal clock was way ahead, not way behind. Mm-hmm. So it was like late afternoon early evening for Got me it. not like middle of the night mm. so i was actually pretty wide awake um still had kind of crazy brain uh for some of it yeah um but because <laughs> i'd just flown in on thursday from rome right. and ordination was saturday morning so i basically so got off the plane uh the next day we had our ordination practice and reception and or rehearsal whatever uh reception and then uh, Saturday morning was the ordination Crazy. and then I flew back to Rome on Tuesday. <laughs> so just when your body was starting to get used to it, you just shocked yeah. it back. There you go. So after that, we have the laying on of hands. So one by one, the elect go to the Bishop kneel before him. The Bishop lays his hands on the head of each in silence. The laying on of hands rooted in scripture and the tradition of the church signifies the conferral of the Holy spirit. Next, all the priests present, also lay their hands on the head of each elect to signify uh, incorporation into the priesthood. Um, yeah, that's kind of a cool thing. Um, which part were you specific? Like the bishop's part or the 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 your fellow your fellow priests? <laughs> the whole thing. And I actually have another point about lying prostrate. Okay, uh, go from for before. It. So let's go back to that. Um, in. Uh, traditional monastic life i don't know if that's current across every order but like they do the same thing this like laying down prostrate um but they'll actually cover you with a funeral pall mm. um like the way I think you would we cover mentioned a coffin, this one time uh because you're really dying to the world mm-hmm. so like the the lying prostrate is supplication but it's also sort of like total abandonment um uh your even, old life into the new right yeah yeah, like, yeah, exactly. All, all the St. Paul quotes that say things like that. Um, mm-hmm. I can't actually Every think one of them. Yeah. I've been crucified, for I've been crucified <laughs> with Christ, and the life I li- now live is not my own. Right. 
but the life I live is the life of faith. Galatians three twenty something. Sure. Yeah, going to a biblical conference. Yeah, today. exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like what I pack, picture. My sister's a uh, has a doctorate in mathematics, uh-huh. but can't do like simple math. And yeah. so it's what I picture the same at like a mathematician conference. They're all like, hey, uh, 70 times 7. And they're all like pulling Getting out their calculators, the things like that. And they're like brilliant in math. Well, my brother's, Pretty similar. My brothers both have doctorates in astrophysics, but they don't know constellations. Like they can't just lead you around the sky at night. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was looking through telescopes. You're like, this Looking is- at numbers, really. They don't even <laughs> look through telescopes. They just look at numbers and waveforms. Um, yeah. So the other cool things about the actual laying on of hands, mm-hmm. like that's, so now we're getting into like the form of the actual ordination, mm-hmm. right? Which is the saying of the words and the laying on of hands. Yep. Um, and it's form and matter. What we've talked about yeah, matter on each sac- sacrament. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, it, it's, it's really cool because like all the priests who are there, um, join in in this and it takes a long time if there's a lot of priests there yep like in dallas we have we have a lot of priests we have like 170 priests and mm-hmm. not all of them come to every ordination but this is another like it kind of drags it out yeah uh but in a good way right where you're like this is this is something really serious that's taking place yeah um like they're all going one by one mm-hmm. to lay hands and to pray over this person right um, it's awesome yeah it's great. And then we have the prayer of ordination. So with his hands extended over the elect, the bishop prays the prayer of ordination, asking God to consecrate the elect for the order of priesthood. The prayer completes the essential act of ordination and confers the sacrament of holy orders upon the candidates. Now newly ordained priests, at the conclusion of the prayer, all respond, Amen. And then you go into the vesting of the newly ordained uh, so newly ordained priests are vested with the priestly stole. Uh, the ministry will then will henceforth to fulfill in the liturgy and it's outward <laughs> manifested. Uh-huh. I don't know. This this wording's a little. You, you put on the priest stuff. Yeah, you, you put you, on the priest stuff. Yeah, so. you take off the deacon stole and the dalmatic, um, and so you're wearing the alb, um, and someone normally two priests that you've chosen beforehand who are like important figures to you mentors of some sort right um like they'll help you put on the the priest stole and the chasuble right um it's really cool and then after that i can kind of say so the stole just so people know deacon one sideways right yeah deacon one goes over the left shoulder and cuts across right um, and then but a priest joined on the right hip goes over right Left, left shoulder, right? No, no, no. Right shoulder, left. Right shoulder, left hip. Yep, that's what it is in the pictures. I thought. Uh, Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, not a deacon anymore. Yeah. Um. So priestly stole over. Yeah. Priestly stole hangs straight down. Yep. Uh, over the back of the neck. Um, and then the dalmatic is. The sort of outer covering that a deacon puts on. Yeah, and what's it, the it real difference? Oh, okay, it has sleeves. That's it. Uh, there's also like a bar across the front. Got um, it. This this kind of thing with the bars traditionally, like a there was one for for a subdeacon called a tunicle. Got it. Um, and I think that had one bar and a deacon a dalmatic for a deacon has two. 
Mm. I always forget about the bars. Like I always forget which side it slants. But okay. Um, but the the priest chasuble does not have any bars and also doesn't have any sleeves. Mm. So whether it's a Roman style, uh, which is very sort of thin and like there's nothing over the top of your arms at all. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like a goes down the front and goes down the back. Yeah. And it might be stiff or it might be flexible. Or it's like a gothic style or even a conical style mm-hmm. where there's a lot of material kind of over your your hands mm-hmm. and you have to flip it back with this kind of, I don't know, how would you describe this motion to those who can't it's see it? It's just like a waving Sort of like motion. inward wave kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of fl- like you're doing. Flip it back, get it up, up on your elbows so that you can yeah, have yeah. your hands free. Like you're casting a spell kind of. Like <laughs> yeah, okay. That. Right. <laughs> That's right. Okay. And then after the vent, uh, after the vesting, um, the anointing of hands takes place. So the newly ordained individually kneel before the bishop who anoints their hands with holy chrism, symbolizing the priest's distinctive participation in Christ's priesthood. Anything you want to add there? Uh, the sacred chrism is the same thing that you use at a baptism and at confirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the only other times that you use it. It's blessed every Holy Week at the Chrism Mass. And it smells really good. So just the other day I baptized a, a baby um, of an old friend. And uh, I've, I've learned from other priests, uh, <laughs> including Father Edwin, um, to use a lot of the sacred chrism. Um, when you're doing that part of the baptismal rite, mm-hmm. uh, because it smells like Easter, basically, right? And um, so it smells like the the new life of baptism. And when you're anointing a baby's head with it, uh, you want it to to kind of stick around for a while. Like mm-hmm. not, it's not sticky, but like the the point is the smell will yeah. stay. And it's oh, this yeah. really beautiful, like incense smell. It's um, like days my kids had. I'm like, what's that? What's yeah. that smell? It smells like Easter. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then you have the handing over of the bread and wine. So family members of the newly ordained priest bring forward a patent holding the bread and the chalice containing the wine. Is I, I've never seen it containing, but maybe I, I'm wrong. I didn't that. look in it. The bishop just held it and then we kind of like grabbed onto it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then it says second. each of the newly ordained priests kneels before the bishop who places the patent and the chalice in the hands of each of the newly ordained as a sign of the sacrifice of the people that they will turn, will in turn offer to God. Yeah. It's called the traditio instrumentorum. Mm. Um, the handing over the instruments handing over <laughs> or the, the implements instruments. that you use for mass. That actually, I do remember there used to be some theological debate about like, what is the form of the sacrament of orders and is that part of it mm. or is that like the essential part of it? Right. Cause um, it's interesting what I'm, and I'm not saying the handing on of the sacred right. vessels, but they, and they even use the word, um, each newly ordained priest kneels before. So like, the ordination part is over, right? This is yeah. just part yeah, yeah. of this liturgy, the rite of this specific liturgy. Yeah, no, the the, the very like settled like canon law talks right. about what the the sort. Yeah, and then last, my favorite is, yeah. part, the fraternal kiss of peace. So, <laughs> right. lastly, the bishop stands, gives the fraternal kiss, 
to each of it's, the newly... It's not a kiss. I don't right. know why we call well, it a kiss. Well, so here's the thing that's great to watch if you're ever at an ordination. is like certain priests know how to do this really well. Yeah. And certain do it so awkward. <laughs> and I tend to... I've like kind of studied it a little bit. Some oh, wow. Say. He's a student <laughs> of ordination. A student? No, just of the fraternal <laughs> kiss. <laughs> because the ones who know to do how to do it are usually European. Yeah. Like, I think because it's a proper, like, it's a more normal greeting. Yeah, it's a thing that like you that do. Like, they grew up in, like, hey, and, the, like, touch cheeks to each side. And then, right. like, us that grew up in the United States, like, it's kind of like, hey and then like <laughs> they kind of give a hug you know sort of like, like stiff arm out yeah <laughs> yeah i i remember specifically Shoulder there's touch. one priest i'm not gonna say who but he's i'm friends with him and it, it's always kind of like like to each guy it was kind of like a hey shrug and <laughs> shrug and a hug i, I know exactly and so who that is. um but yeah so and and that's the last part with the sp- specifically that like dives in within ordination. The rest then takes place. Yeah, you know, the rest regular, is a mess. Yeah, regular context of mess. Here's two parts I'm going to ask uh, as we wrap up. So first is then one one of the newly ordained priests, like not all of them get to actually have like out loud speaking parts, right? In the celebration and... Yeah. Um, like some help prepare the altar. Was that like who drew the straws? Like the oldest member of the class? Like how did that go about for you guys? Uh, the bishop's favorite. Like how? I don't remember. <laughs> so you didn't like my joke there. So I fine. no, I, I I heard you. Um, were you <laughs> were you on the altar? Were you one of those? I can't remember. I think I had a part. So okay. Did you? So what you do is. Um, you should probably be using uh, hot take uh, Eucharistic prayer one for ordinations. Hot take. Uh, yep. There are four concelebrant parts uh, for Eucharistic prayer one. Um, there were four guys ordained in my class, but there's so you also could technically do four. Yeah. 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 Commemoration of the living, first list of the saints, commemoration of the dead, second list of the saints. Two before the consecration. Two. That's after. why you have the MCU's pointing at the different parts to keep yeah, everybody on track. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but we also we have an auxiliary bishop in Dallas, and so like he always kind of kind of has a part, and like there's other sort of senior clergy who sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I think it's like just vocations directors. Oh, you yeah, know, I am some, part of the some some think they're the senior clergy. <laughs> I, I do get a special seat at ordinations. I don't think I'm. <laughs> In the upper echelons of senior <laughs> clergy, um, yeah. Uh, so, how does that get chosen? I'm not really sure. I think, I think it just depends yeah. on the year. Like this year, we're going to ordain, eight, God willing, right? nine, eight or nine, eight or nine. I should know that. Um, my year it was four. Yeah. Uh, before that, there were lots of years where it was like one or two or right. zero. Yeah. Um, and so it just kind of depends. Setting the altar, though, that's more of a deacon thing. So if you have transitional deacons who are going to be ordained priests the next year, they'll part. Um, they'll be the main. One will be the deacon of the altar, and the other is the deacon, deacon of the, the word. word. Um, yeah. And the deacon of the altar is normally the one who's like setting up the stuff, and servers are bringing things to him. Got it. Now, oh, one well, it, one one last thing. Ahead. I for for my ordination, I don't really remember tons about it. I do have some funny stories from it for another time, but 
I did get to choose the first reading. Um, What'd you choose? I can't remember the passage, but out of the options, I was I was looking through, and like Job, and we we all got to <laughs> we all got to make our recommendation, but they went with mine. I think because I was studying at the Biblicum or They're something. They're like, this guy knows the Bible the best. And it was that passage. It's in Exodus somewhere where Moses is just so fed up. <laughs> and he's like, the burden of this people is too great for me. <laughs> <laughs> so strike me dead, <laughs> oh Lord, or give me help. So and so people <laughs> that have no idea about the priesthood <laughs> are just sitting there in the audience and being like, what's happening? And I kind of... I kind of chose it because I thought it was fun <laughs> and a little funny, but like there is a really deep meaning there. Like mm-hmm. it's sort of this like, you know, uh, we're collaborators with the bishop to mm-hmm. share to share the load as right. successor of the apostles. He's been entrusted with the care of the, the whole diocese, and we are his co-workers. Right. Um, so like there there is a really nice parallel there. Um, kind of like the you know. The, the thing in Acts of the Apostles when the deacons are chosen, but that's a different order, kind of like diaconate. There is a big difference between diaconate and priesthood right? Um, in a different kind of way than the big difference between priests and bishops. Yeah. No um, indelible mark. Yep. Maybe, probably. Maybe. <laughs> um, but I want to say you're wrong on that one, but I don't know. <laughs> We're oh, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, diaconate used to be considered one of the minor orders. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, we'll have to see. Here, okay. So I want to end with I'm a, always kind of with a little controversial cop thing. between Vatican one and Vatican yeah, two somewhere. I'm not sure. Um, the part of the ordination where mm-hmm. chrism is put on your hand. Yeah. You then wipe that off, correct? Yes. So I've heard many stories from priests about <laughs> yes. a little bit of a, um, <laughs> just debate on what's done with that towel that mm-hmm. you um wipe your hands with right um uh-huh. what it, w- w- you want to fill the people in a little bit here of i'm I, and okay. i'm not asking what you did and i'm not asking what any other priest did but i hear it talked about a lot that typically this towel is presented sometimes right at some point it became a tradition you present yeah. to your mom mm-hmm. right you prevent uh, you present your first stole from your con- first confession to your father. Yeah. And then this cloth to your mother and they wrap it around her hands in yeah. like before they bury her. Right. Yeah. And so, but it seems like there's some controversy of like, at some point somebody is like, no, you shouldn't do that. And so, yeah, I'll give the, the quick, quick hits. Give me the kinda. quick hits. Um, so, so that practice has been around for, for quite a while. I don't know how ancient it is. Like the the practice of the maniturgium is one thing. So the maniturgium is the name of the cloth. It just means hand dryer in Latin. <laughs> Not that exciting. But right. but similar it, to a corporal? Yeah, kind of yeah. like a corporal. And it used to be a special cloth that was just the bishop would wrap it around your hands as part of the rite after he had put chrism. So he'd put chrism, he'd fold your hands back into that that sort of triangle <laughs> prayer hands. Keep clapping. They um, got it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he would wrap the manturgium around there. And like then that was the cloth that you would present. Uh, in the current form, 
post-Vatican II form of the right, there's not like a a specific part of the right where a cloth is wrapped around your hands. Got it. So that was part of the controversy is like, is there still room for that? But like, yeah, you have to wipe your hands with something right. <laughs> like with the sacred chrism on there. Um, and it might as well be something that you give to your mother. Cause that was a tradition that developed, as you said, and it's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, who doesn't like that? Also the, the father thing with the stole, um, normally right after the ordination, a priest who's close to you will just be like, Hey, can you hear my confession? That'll be your first confession. Mm-hmm. Um, to like get the sort of jitters out of the way. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then also that way you can use that stole right away. Even if your first mass is like later that night. Mm. Um, got it. It's, it's a really cool thing that I didn't know about until, until my ordination and a, a buddy pulled me aside and like took care of me in that way. Yeah. It was really cool. Um, so anyway, the, uh, you want to dispose of sacred oils. Well, that's a general principle. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's something that is blessed. It's more sacred than holy, holy water. This is something that's really like consecrated and used for only certain purposes. So you want to dispose of it well. Um, and there was a question on if we, if we allow newly ordained priests to, to take this cloth with them, is it going to be kept properly? Kind of like sacred? Yeah. Yeah. Are people going to take care of it? Are they going to stuff it in a drawer and but the whole, forget about but it? But ultimately, it's going to end up in the ground, which like from, from yeah. dust you came so, and dust you shall return. So I, I'm firmly on the side of like, this is an awesome tradition. It's currently what we do in Dallas, but there were times where it was debated. And uh, those times were also when... Uh, I was ordained. I was in the last year of sort of the debate. The debate. Um, yeah. Uh, but we did receive permission to like, to like touch the, the amos that we were wearing, which mm-hmm. is a similar kind of cloth that's around the neck. Um, and uh, so that's what I gave to, to, to my mom. Okay. Um, but after, after that year, like things calmed down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it became such a big, like it was, it was always, we didn't really see like who was doing the debating. We just knew that, um, it was kind of weird that we're not allowed to do this, uh, because every other diocese does and it seems like a beautiful thing. Yeah. And now we're, now we're right back there. Now we're back in with the back in manaturgium business. That's, I, I love it. Well, that was a long one. Ordination. Yeah. Three indelible marks. <laughs> We'll find out Just when keep Father Emmett up the we'll, indelible marks. We'll, we'll find out when Father Emmett lets us know. So, hey to everybody. We hope you have a blessed and a happy Thanksgiving. On behalf of Joey Scancella, Father Paul Bechter, we want to say take care. God bless. Stay away from creatine. <laughs>